The Swan of Many Wings Elissa leaned back against sumptuous silken cushions and regarded the cards in her hand through narrowed eyes. She was acutely aware of the scrutiny with which her host and their compatriots regarded her there in the smoky confines of that ornate caravan. Though she appeared to gaze intently at her hand, she did not see the artful imagery, the multitude of symbols that adorned each card. She needed more time. A phrase she had heard countless times over the course of her life rose up through the haze to mock her. You'd have a better chance of winning a game of Chantillions against a face elf. The saying was a common one in the green country, but at this moment the words echoed back to her in her father's voice, a memory from the past. They'd been hunting, and she had taken aim on a bush courser, quite far off. It was an impossible shot. But she was a youngling, and new to the ways of hunting, and thoroughly determined to try. Her father, Tarn, had smiled kindly and whispered those words to her. Though she had not seen it, his smile grew slightly as she let out a defiant humph, drew her bow, and took the shot anyway. The arrow sailed high but fell short of the hoofed beast, startling it into a lightning gallop. In seconds it had disappeared into the forest. Tarn had not rejoiced in his righteousness at her failure. Quite the opposite, he was impressed by how close she had come. The lessons we learn from a failure attempted with the whole heart are invaluable. Walking home, she had sensed he was proud of her, but could not understand why. Madame? The crisp words cut through the atmosphere of the stuffy carriage, perfumed as it was with incense and tobacco. In a heartbeat, she returned from her nostalgic reverie and met her questioner's eyes with a steely gaze. I'm thinking, said Alyssa flatly. Without looking, her free hand found the ornate glass chalice which rested near the playing board, and she took it to her lips. Let them stew a bit, she thought, taking a mouthful of the bright, exquisitely fine Delson wine. She let the flavors dance across her tongue sun-ripe pear and sparkling citrus. It tasted like a summer's day. Was she a fool to take such enjoyment when so much was at stake? Without thought or pretense, she played a card from her hand onto the board, and then looked up innocently to regard the one who had addressed her moments before. He raised one of his proliferous, ostentatious eyebrows, and then twisted its wispy hairs between his fingers, reinforcing the wild curl. The Swan of Many Wings. An interesting choice. The card depicted a mystical swan from which extended countless wings. It represented the highest value a card could have in the game. The problem, for Elissa at least, was that they were currently playing a low game, meaning the player with the lowest score would win. If she could shift the state of play to a high game, she would be ensured a win, though this was unlikely, if not impossible. The face-elf man beamed at Alyssa, happier than a swine in slop. The face-elf woman and man to his left and right, respectively, also grinned at this development and eyed their cards with curious vigor. Though she had bought herself some time, Alyssa couldn't help but wonder how in the hell she had ended up in a game of Chantillions against a traveling face-elf troop. "'Don't do it!' Durkee had beseeched her several hours earlier." a vein throbbing in his forehead. Aye, it would not be wise, Negwin had said, 
placing her hand on Alyssa's shoulder. The poor guard then realized she had placed her hands on the queen, eminent ruler of the green country, and quickly withdrew, mortified. Elissa paid it no mind, but spoke to her traveling companions. I see no alternative. They have us over a barrel. If we can't win the ferryman's coin from them, we'll be stuck here another fortnight, and we can't afford that kind of delay. But wagering the coach? asked Durkee, ashen. Even from their camp, the current of the mighty river Struin could be heard, rushing endlessly through the night. They would not be crossing that wide waterway without a coin of passage, and these were doled out with meticulous calculation. Though she was the queen, her travels could not supersede those of the folk who dwelled in the green country. This was a tenant of the Lord's tour. And when the Lord shall be about the land on their centennial tour, let their transit not impede the movement of those sundry peoples of the country. For the liege of the green country is servant to its people, and so demandeth no special treatment which would elevate them. Durkee had read this passage earlier, his speech halting and dejected. Yet Elissa could not be swayed. Daylight was fading on the river encampment, and the various travelers convened there were beginning to start fires for cooking and warmth. Such was the way of things at the river Struin. The travelers gathered there waited for the day when their ferryman's coin was called. These coins were each branded with a day of the month and served to regulate transit across the river. Once called, a small crowd would board the immense wooden platform which floated on great pontoons. Then, ever slowly, the great craft would begin its journey over the waters, pulled by a team of great woolly oxen stationed at either side of the river. Alyssa's caravan had missed the calling of their coin by one day. There, under the last orangey swirls of daylight, Alyssa called over to the motley troop of Faisilf, who loitered outside their caravan. They had been watching her negotiations at a distance. Their leader, a sly-looking fellow with pointed ears and swirling eyebrows, broke off from the group and tromped over, his high-polished boots squelching in the muddy earth of the camp. "'Well, what'll it be, my queen?' he asked, suppressing a grin. He already knew what her answer would be. "'I'll play. I'll wager my coach for your coin.' Durkee groaned off in the distance, and the face-elf man extended his hand to Alyssa. My name is Damiask Trajant, and it is my great pleasure to make your acquaintance. Why don't we shake on it? Elissa took the man's hand, noting its cool smoothness and the multitude of heavy jeweled rings he wore. Damiask eyed her carriage thoughtfully and mused aloud. I think she'll look quite smart with a coat of vermilion paint. Elissa released his hand, replying coolly. I always thought red was a bit gaudy, you know, unrefined. She met Damiesque's gaze with a tight smile, and his wily grin doubled. This promises to be an evening to remember. Call round in an hour or so. We'll have things set up for you. Your Highness. Elissa nodded, and he turned and made his way back to the Faisilf caravan, shouting orders as he strode. Benthale! Go and chill two bottles of wine. No, wait, make that three. Margenthale, do we have any of those spiced butter seeds left? Elissa patiently watched them go and then rejoined her companions near a fire which Gwarth and Netcher had built. Durkee, 
please prepare my gown, the crimson one. I've got matters to attend to before the game. She hurried into the coach and emerged moments later with a small leather clutch. I'll be back in no time. Negwin, you're with me. Bring a lantern. The guard's woman was sitting beside the fire, and she stood without hesitation and nodded, ready to go. Elissa led the way, and they departed from camp at a brisk pace. So far as Negwin could tell, they were headed towards a copse of trees near the river's edge. More than once, the queen looked back towards the ornate caravan of Damiesque, and was pleased to see that her escape had gone unnoticed. Alyssa directed them into the wood, cleaving a path through the undergrowth that grew so plentifully there. "'Bring the light, Negwin,' she said, crouching down near to the earth. "'We're looking for a fool's leaf plant. Do you know it?' "'Certainly, my queen,' replied Negwin. "'My mother would send me out to gather it as a child. It put my little sister at ease when she was teething.' "'Aye,' said Alyssa, not looking up as she searched the loam for the little plant.' good for teething, and other things. Negwin held the lantern aloft, and the two searched for a time. I think I've found some. Alyssa hurried over and joyfully confirmed it was the plant they had sought. Now, Negwin, I need you to stand watch at the forest's edge. I have to, uh, meet a friend. Negwin nodded, thoroughly confused, but obeyed Alyssa and moved to the edge of the trees. Alyssa opened the leather purse she had brought with her and quickly extracted from it a smooth, shining pendant in the shape of a water drop. It hung from a chain, though appeared too large to serve as jewelry. She twisted the point of the drop and a thin shell of metal swiveled away to reveal a small aperture that glowed with the strange lights of a far-off day. Holding this glowing charm flat on her palm, she thrust the sprig of fool's leaf into the otherworldly illumination that shone forth. Where the light struck those little leaves, they were transmuted instantly into a swirling cascade of tiny sparkles, which rose upwards into the night. Moments later, the herb had been entirely consumed. A sudden wind fell upon the wood, fierce and powerful. Alyssa braced herself, unflinching. When Negwin whirled round to ensure the safety of her liege, she saw that a woman now stood before Alyssa a tall face-ilf with skin of smoky purple and hair the color of fresh blood. Elissa met Negwin's concerned gaze and with a nod confirmed this was the friend to whom she had referred. Taliza, thank you for coming, spoke Elissa emphatically. Fool's leaf, Elissa. Must be an urgent matter, my queen. Elissa gave a smile. Nothing life or death, but perhaps I've done something foolish. Minutes later, Alyssa walked from the forest to rejoin Negwin at the edge of the wood. Once more, the wind picked up with an unnatural vigor, and then all was calm. The face-elf woman had disappeared. Negwin asked no questions as she and Alyssa made their way back to the carriage. "'Had to seek counsel from an old friend,' said Alyssa, feeling the need to offer some explanation. All Negwin could do was nod. Elissa and Negwin were met with curious faces upon their return, though all knew better than to venture a question. Dutiful Durkey stepped up. Your gown awaits you in the carriage. She entered the wagon and emerged soon after, looking resplendent in a velvet dress of deepest burgundy. Her hair was artfully braided, and she was adorned with fine earrings of milky river pearl that shone in the firelight.
Durkee looked at her in awe. I'm always so amazed at how quickly you can do that, he said, marveling at Alyssa's transformation. Oh, I'd be happy to teach you, she said jokingly, to which Durkee replied with a groan. Alyssa surveyed her traveling companions, who sat round the fire, trying desperately to look unconcerned. They were not doing a good job of it. Don't look so glum, all, she said. I may have a card up my sleeve that Damiask and his friends aren't expecting. Wish me luck. And with this, she turned and left for the Faisilf caravan. As she walked, she thought of her morose companions by the fireside and wondered if she should have given them more assurance. In truth, she did not know if her plan would work. They would have to endure the uncertainty of the game right along with her. She was, after all, the queen. Many miles away, Taliza flew on through the night on dusky, membranous wings, crimson hair catching the dancing firelight of her gilded lantern. Her wings pulsed hard, propelling her forward. She was of the night flame brood, a face of people known for their nocturnal wanderings and prowess in flight. She had met Elissa many years before, under strange circumstances, and the two had formed a bond. On she flew, there was someone she needed to speak to on the Queen's behalf. Elissa patiently surveyed the three Faisalf with whom she played that favorite game of the green country, Chantillians. It was Margenthale's turn, and the Faisalf woman mused fretfully over her cards, the aquamarine flesh of her brow crinkling in doubt. At last, she decided on a card and laid it face up on the playing board with a self-satisfied smile. Mountain of the Fox. Not a bad play, conceded Alyssa, a low-value card which, in its current clever placement, rendered some beneficial effects for its owner. The deck with which they played was captivating. No surprise here. The Faisalf were lovers of beauty and produced many a masterful artist. Whoever had created this Chantillion's deck had reproduced the Fox's Mountain Stronghold with great accuracy. Elissa could attest to this, having been there more than once. Each card in the deck corresponded to some figment of the green country, be it a place, creature, lesser god, or treasure. All Chantillion's decks were magical, at least to some small degree. This one, however, was something special. The tall pine trees, artfully inscribed on the mountain of the fox, seemed to sway gently in a night breeze, and the moon shone high above the mountain. Alyssa felt her eyes straying to steal a glance at the swan of many wings, but she stopped herself. It was too soon, anyway. Next, it was Damiesque's turn, and he laid The North Wind, a play that swept several of his cards from the board to be discarded. Though he had already been in the lead, this further cemented his advantage, and he smiled smarmily across at Alyssa. Morganthale clapped daintily in awe of his skill, and Benthale sighed with exasperation. Elsewhere in the night, Teliza had come to a vast lake that lay deep within a forested valley. Twilight mists rolled down the slopes of those wooded hills to lay a thick curtain of fog over the surface of the water. Off through the mists set Teliza, her lantern a gauzy point of light moving through the darkness. Even through the fog she could make out the shape of an island in the distance, rising poetically from the center of the lake. The Chantillion's deck was dwindling. 
They had been at play for over two hours, and it was clear that Alyssa's last turn would soon arrive. "'You know,' said Damiask in a kind and patronizing tone, "'if it weren't for that contemptible swan of yours, you would have the lowest score of any of us.' The queen nodded solemnly and sighed, trying hard not to overdo the affectation of dejection she had assumed. "'How about one more glass of that exceptional Delson vintage? "'To soften this defeat.' <laughs> "'But of course, your highness.' Damiask smiled placatingly as he poured more of the silky, golden-hued liquid into her glass. She sipped it sorrowfully, and watched as Benthail tried to conceive of a clever play that would put him in second place. Taliza's flight had, at last, brought her to the island in the middle of that dark and forgotten lake. She alighted on the pebbled shore of the isle, and as she did, a feeling of electricity coursed up through the soles of her feet she had certainly arrived in the right place. She held her lantern aloft and gazed about, and soon discovered an ancient stair hewn into the living rock of the island. Carved by whose hands, she could not guess, but a design intricate and beautiful flowed along those steps. A motif of spiraling lilies and other water plants traced their way along the stone. She mounted the steps slowly, though not out of fear, it was with great respect, and an earnest air she ascended. She soon reached the top of the stair, and saw a stone path leading ahead into the darkness. Ordered rows of high pines towered on either side of the moss-covered path, and the ground was covered in a light blanket of pine needles. Taliza began to make her way forward, when a woman's voice echoed out of the darkness, song-like and resounding in its depth. "'Who comes?' Uh, it, it is I, Taliza Nightflame. I come to ask of you a boon. And what is the nature of this favor you request? Step forward so I might better see you. The voice was huge and commanding, and Taliza scuttled forward before she could scarcely think. Now she was frightened. She was soon able to make out the shape of a massive throne cut into the stone. The clouds which had occluded the night sky chose this moment to disperse, and the white radiance of a wild moon fell across the woman who sat in that ancient stone seat. Taliza felt a child in the lady's presence, or perhaps a toy, or a doll. She stood more than twice the height of the face-elf woman. Her chalk-white skin glowed in the moonlight, and a mane of pure white hair fell to her waist. She wore a white gown of innumerable feathers which shimmered in the lantern light, and from her shoulders and bare arms sprouted a startling multitude of white wings, folded and arranged with beautiful symmetry. The swan of many wings reclined in that ornate throne, her hands supporting her chin, a figure of imposing languor. Her large, beautiful dark eyes stared back at Teliza, who was unnerved, yet maintained her composure in the presence of this minor goddess. "'The favor is not for me, my lord. It is for the queen, Elissa Lannan.' At this, the swan of many wings raised an eyebrow, and a faint smile traced across her lips. It was Elissa's final turn. There was but one card left in her hand, and but one place left on the board to play it. She looked at the spread of cards that were laid out before her, 
casting a quick glance at the swan card. Nothing yet. She could stall no longer. Damiask let out a poorly concealed yawn. Don't you think it's about time we finish this, my queen? We must be off early next morning, and we'll have to procure another horse to pull that old wagon of yours. <laughs> so much to do. Elissa drained her glass and suddenly thought of her father, and that smile of his that would always appear any time she had discovered something new and impossible to attempt. She played her last card, the rose magpie, a beautiful red bird of the green country. The play did her no good. Damiesk smiled triumphantly as she laid down the card, and was about to spout some patronizing drivel about a game well played when something caught his eye. All four of the players leaned in closer as one of the cards became animated, a flurry of movement coursing across its surface. It was the swan of many wings, and like leaves in a windstorm, the creature's wings were blowing away. Damiesk's garish eyebrows raised in genuine astonishment, and soon they found themselves looking at the swan of no wings. The fey sylph gaped. By the rules of Chantillion's, the card had lost its value, and Alyssa's score had dropped to become the lowest of all the players. She had won. Damiesk was still dumbfounded. I don't know how you managed that, my queen, but... Well played, well played indeed. This time, when he said queen, a kind of reverence had crept into his voice. Any hint of condescension had vanished. Alyssa smiled and gave a shrug, her eyes laughing with the secret that had afforded her such an improbable win. Damiesk's face shifted as a question erupted in his mind. Mm, cl clearly your plan relied on the swan of many, mm, er, no wings from the beginning. But how did you know you would draw it? I didn't. She gave Damiesk a crazy kind of grin and then stood. Damiesk laughed and clapped his hands at this revelation. If there was something Faisalf loved more than winning, it was a good show of chutzpah. The wine was catching up with her and she wanted to share the good news with her companions. Damiesk graciously presented her with the ferryman's coin and she stood and bid the Faisalf troop adieu. He led her out of the caravan and wished her well on her travels. This is not a game of cards we'll soon forget, he said to her, still thoroughly pleased. The door clicked closed behind her, and Alyssa tromped her way across the muddy earth of the river camp, back to the little campfire where her companions still sat. The night air was cool and refreshing, and helped clear her head of the smoke and wine. Durkee was the first to see her coming, and he leapt to his feet, hungry for news of the game. Elissa flicked something through the air to him, something that shimmered and caught the firelight as it turned. Durkee scrambled and caught it in his hands, and then held aloft the ferryman's coin, a disbelieving smile on his face. Her companions were equally aghast. But how, Elissa? It can be a very good thing when a goddess owes you a favor— she said, and hiccuped. But that is a story for another time. If you like what you just heard, be sure to visit www.thegreen.country for more great content, including beautiful illustrations, detailed character descriptions, and much more. The Green Country is also on Patreon, where a small monthly pledge will give you access to extra content, like an illustrated PDF of the story you just heard. 
Whether you back this project financially or simply share it with a friend, you can help this vibrant land continue to grow. Once more, that's www.thegreen.country. Thanks for listening.